0: The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He had also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand.
1: Oh no, not that one. That one. And uh, it's great to have you here. And we're going to uh, dig into this bit of God's word in Mark chapter six. Um, just before I do that, let me update you uh, briefly on the venue thing. I know I say this every week. We have inched forward a little bit. Some of you will know that this isn't our normal venue. Well, it's becoming, <laughs> it's feeling more and more normal. But we have it. There's another venue that we are hoping to get back to. We're in negotiations. We've gone forward and. In, inch maybe this week. Um, so please keep praying about that, uh, that God would at just the right time give us that venue, that we could meet back there again. Um, but we thank God for having somewhere to meet, and it's good to be here. And we're going to pray now. We're going to ask that God would help us to understand and to listen to his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've been singing all these great truths about you. We thank you that we can sing, but we thank you too that we can sit and listen. And we ask this afternoon that you'd help us, by the power of your Spirit, that this living Word would live to us, that it wouldn't be just words on a page, but that, Jesus, you would meet with us as we study this part of Mark's Gospel. Help us to understand whether we've heard loads of talks or sermons before, or whether we're quite new to this stuff. Help us, we pray, to listen and to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to take a slight risk uh, this afternoon, um, and I'm going to use a whiteboard Oh hello! Which is going to come over here? Beautiful, like that. Old school technology. Now, if you're seeing it at the back, I apologise if you can't see. But I thought this would be different. I thought it would uh, make a change. And I'm going to draw uh, my talk for you now. All right? Not not all of it. I'm going to draw the shape of it because it has a very distinct and easy to remember shape. And uh, the shape is a it's a circle shape. My talk this afternoon. So there is a a circle. And uh, there's there's three circles. That's the first. There's a circle here, like this. And then there's a circle here. And uh, what I want to show you is that this is the the shape of my talk this afternoon. What I want to show you is going on in Mark chapter 6. The first circle are the crowds of people, the 5,000 plus people. All right, so that's the, that's the red circle around the outside. They're the crowds. And then you'll notice that we get some stuff about the disciples, Jesus' kind of closest friends. There's like 12 of them at this point, that those, those guys feature. But I want to show you that actually right at the center of this story is Jesus. And the whole thing kind of zooms in. It all focuses in on him. And it pushes us to see Jesus as the heart of everything. Jesus as the centre. Jesus as the provider. That's what we're going to be seeing. Now that shouldn't be a surprise to us because Mark has been showing us that again and again and again in his Gospel. There's a kingdom. There's a kingdom. And there's a king whose name is Jesus. There's a kingdom of joy and of peace and of life. There's a kingdom where sickness and sin and death and all the stuff that screws this world up will be finished and will be done with. And the only one who can bring that kingdom about is this King Jesus. That's what Mark's been showing us. And that's what he's doing again here. So we're going to get into this. Uh, we're going into this passage. I'm just going to walk us through it and uh, fill in my uh, whiteboard as we go. So let's get our heads down. Let's have a look at what's going on. And we're picking up the story in verse 30. The apostles—that's another name for the, tw- the, the disciples, the twelve—gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. Now remember. They've been sent out. If you just go back to chapter 6 and verse 7, calling the twelve to him, he, that's Jesus, began to send them out two by two, giving them authority. So he sent them out, and now here they are coming back. And we've seen this in a big, this is a big thing in this bit of Mark. How is the mission of Jesus going to continue through these apostles, these disciples? Verse 31, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There's Jesus, he's caring for his twelve. Yeah, they're tired. You can imagine them, they're all kind of a bit buzzing, but bit excited. Ah, we did this amazing stuff, it's been fantastic, it's been really exciting. Oh, we're tired. <laughs> Jesus says, go, go get some rest. So they go off by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Verse 33. But, ominous. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. So here they are going across the lake on the boat and you've got this crowd of people kind of doing a park run around the outside going, we've got to get the other side. And they're trogging it around to the other side and as soon as Jesus lands he's like, oh, you're all here. (laughs) Just say goodbye to you on the other side of the lake. Right, what is Jesus' response? Look at verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... Well, okay, wait. Before we get to Jesus' response, what would your response be? How do you look at other people? What's your response to others? I guess there's a number of responses we have when we see other people. Perhaps for some of us we envy others. We look at others and think, oh, their life is so much better than mine. Have you ever felt that? You think, oh, they're sorted, they're much more gifted than I am, they're much prettier than I am. I have that problem a lot. There's you know, they're much more they're just more sophisticated than I am, they've got a better job than I have, they've got a nicer wife than I have, not a problem I have. Uh, you know, there's just so much we we can envy others and constantly be looking at others and comparing ourselves to others and thinking, Oh, I just feel rubbish. Is that how you look at others? Or perhaps you you don't envy other people. You see other people and they're just a bit of a nuisance, <laughs> a bit of a pain in the neck. I think if I'm honest, that would have been my response in the boat. You can imagine disciples going, You are kidding me. You're joking. We just left these jokers behind. <laughs> they're here again. And perhaps for some of us we do. We find ourselves getting irritated by others. We it's just frustrating. We find others draining. We kind of Perhaps that's for some of us. Perhaps some of us, we we, we really we kind of crave others' approval. We want other people to love us. We want other people to be impressed by us. And so we kind of want, we want to please the crowd. We see a crowd and we think, oh, people who might love me. And we're the sort of people who in a, in a party want to be the centre of attention. We want to tell the jokes. We want to make sure that people laugh. You know what it's like when you tell a joke at a party and everyone laughs. It feels good, doesn't it? Those of you who've ever pulled that off. <laughs> it's funny isn't it when you tell a joke at a party and people laugh because you kind of feel yes I'm funny this is good you try telling another one and then they don't laugh and then you're in that real dilemma of do I bail out now or do I go again some people know when to stop others don't. (laughs) don't But look, look at Jesus. Jesus doesn't see this crowd and envy them. He doesn't see this crowd and be annoyed by them. And he doesn't see this crowd and need their approval. Look at what it says. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Now that word, is actually, in the original language, it's to do with the bowels. It's kind of moved deep inside. It's like a bowel movement, <laughs> if I can put it like that. It's a it's a it's a it's a, a deeply intense emotional response to what he sees. I heard someone describe it recently as gut wrenching compassion. He's just he's moved by what he sees. Why? He sees this crowd of people, Jesus, and it moves him. Well, it's because of what he sees. Look, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Right. That's what I want you to know about the crowds. Okay. Um, sheep without shepherd. There we go. That's what Jesus saw. Now these were probably fairly ordinary people. They've come to hear Jesus. They're excited about him. There'll be some workers. There'll be some families. You know, just fairly ordinary people. But Jesus doesn't see them as ordinary of people. He sees them as people who have a very great need. To be a sheep without a shepherd is not great, is it? To be a sheep without a shepherd means you are in massive danger, and it means you will get very hungry, and it means you will be you are helpless. Now you might not feel it. Right? For a little while, you could be a happy sheep without a shepherd, couldn't you? You could have a happy time playing with your other sheep friends. And and having a lovely time. But there's going to come a point when actually, however much you might feel okay, there's no shepherd. And when danger comes, you are in big trouble. And Jesus looks at this crowd and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. He says these guys are in massive danger. Why? Why? What's he getting at? Why, Why does he say that? Right, keep your finger in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to go just a couple of times this afternoon back to the book of Numbers. Um, i want to go to Numbers chapter 27. You might think it's odd choice to go back to Numbers, but I have to, this coming week I'm, I'm speaking at a conference, and I've got to do six talks on the book of Numbers. So I've been reading and reading Numbers, Numbers is kind of in my head. And it's like I read Mark 6, gosh, Numbers, it's all about Numbers. So uh, we're going back to the book of Numbers. It's on page 167. Numbers 27, page 167. And I want you to look at verse 12, where it says Joshua to succeed Moses. And uh, jump down to verse 15 there, underneath that heading. And it says this, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, what, what Moses was this greatly... You all remember Moses back in the desert? You remember that, don't you? <laughs> Just a joke. A joke, Linda. <laughs> remember Moses back in the desert? <laughs> Uh, so Moses in the desert (laughs) leading God's people and he says he's like a shepherd over them now in some ways that's a pretty rude thing to say because to be called a sheep isn't really very positive because although sheep in our context is quite cute you know sheep is sweet nice innocent fluffy Mary had that lamb it's fleece was white as snow that kind of thing. Although, Mary had, do you know the, sorry, on a slightly tangent thing, <laughs> I don't know, this just sprung into my mind. Do you know that Mary had little lamb, she tied it to a pylon? A thousand volts went up its tail and turned its wool to nylon. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> cute, fluffy sheep, right? We tend to think cute, fluffy, but it, but actually, according to the Bible, a sheep is a stupid, foolish ignorant thing that tends to get itself into trouble. It wanders off. You need a shepherd. It wanders off to go, oh look, there's grass over here. And off it goes to find some more grass. And it ends up in huge danger. It ends up in big trouble. And Moses was a shepherd of this great... Right, there was two million people of God at this point. Moses is the shepherd of this two million people, caring for them, leading them. Because by nature, they will go wrong. And Moses is about to die, and he knows he's going to die, and he thinks, man, these people need a shepherd. And so he hands on to Joshua. Joshua's going to be the shepherd. And what we discover again and again in the Bible is that without a shepherd, sheep die. Look, imagine... um, I'm walking along one day and I find a sheep in a ditch upside down waving his feet in the air and I say oh Mr. Sheep what's happened and he says oh I fell off the road I was wondering I fell off I don't right, worry I'll help you and I pick him of the ditch turn him up the right way set him on his way next day I see him again in the ditch upside down with his feet in the air and I go Mr. Sheep, Mr. sheep what happened oh I fell in the ditch uh, after like five days of doing that it becomes pretty clear doesn't it that the sheep needs more than just a saviour It needs a shepherd as well. It isn't enough to keep saving the sheep out of the ditch. It needs a shepherd who will then lead it. And that is the point. God's people need more than just someone to save them. They need someone to save them from danger and then to keep them from danger. And Jesus looks at this vast crowd of people, of 5,000 people, and he sees sheep without a shepherd. He sees people who don't know where they're going. He sees people who are aimlessly wandering through life and who are in big trouble. That's what Jesus sees. And he's moved by it. He sees people who are stressed and harassed and helpless and all over the place. And Jesus is moved. They might say, well, why are they sheep without a shepherd? Well, the the Bible says this. um, In Isaiah 53, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray, turned each one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Don't worry about the second bit. Think about the first bit. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned away from the God who made us. We're like sheep, plodding away, and for a while we may be fairly happy, but there's going to come a point when we realise that, what am I doing? What's the point of life? Something hits. Something big happens in our life, and suddenly we're like, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I turn to? That's what it means to be a sheep without a shepherd. For for a real sheep, the dangers are wolves and lions. For us, we have an enemy called death. What are we going to do when death strikes? If there's no shepherd, if if there's no shepherd to take us safely through death, we're like sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus sees. And you know, if Jesus was standing looking over London today, he would use exactly the same description. He sees sheep without a shepherd, people rushing around at 100 miles an hour, trying to grab as much stuff as they can, trying to have as much fun as they can, trying to get as much out of life as they can. But he says, but they've got no shepherd. They're in danger. There's no shepherd. And so he look at his response. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So, he began teaching them. He began to teach them, to show them the right way to live. This is what sheep need. They need someone who will teach them the right way. Jesus teaches them. So my first big question for you is I wonder, are you willing to admit that you're a sheep without a shepherd? That you need a shepherd? That's our first big question, but we're going to move into the blue circle, because look what happens next, by this time, verse 35, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said this, I love this, this, this is classic disciples, right? they state the obvious, this is a remote place, yep, uh, actually they literally say this is a desert, and then they say and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples can see a big problem. There's a big crowd. What's their solution to the crowd? Send them away. Jesus, we've got a great plan. You remember that rest we were going to have? Why don't we have it now? Send these guys away so they can go get some food. But verse 37. Jesus, this is... Here is the master teacher. Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. This is this is the kind of time when I wish that the, v- the Gospels were videoed, that we had a video of Jesus and his disciples. Can you imagine their faces? You've got 5,000 people in a desert and Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. I mean, there must have been a slight smirk on Jesus' face, don't you think? I mean, there, there must have been a sort of, there must have been a slight panic in the disciples. But I love this. They start calculating. Oh, okay. Right. Let's work this out. 5,000 people. (laughs) Okay, that would take more than a year and a half wages, Jesus. We've done our sums. It's not in the budget. We can't afford it. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? (laughs) And Jesus doesn't let them off the hook. So he says to them, well, how many of those have you got? Go and see. You can imagine them going, okay, Right, we'll go and see. Muttering to each other, stupid. Have we haven't got enough bread. There's just nothing. Well, look, I've got a few, five. They come back to Jesus. Look, we've got five loaves. And then one of them comes and says, oh, I've got two fish. <laughs> Whoopie doo well done. I mean, it's pathetic. It's pitifully small, right? That's what the disciples have got. And this is the second thing. The crowd, a sheep without a shepherd, the disciples are disciples without resources. Disciples. I don't know why I'm writing this, because you probably can't even read it. Without resources. They do not have what it takes to fix the problem. They want to fix it. They want to fix the problem. They want to put things right. They want a solution. Jesus, we've got an idea. We, get, we know how to fix this. Let's, let's fix fix it. but they need to see that they don't have the resources to fix the problem. So it's funny, right? When, when someone realises that there's a problem, uh, people look for some way to fix the problem. People in our world are desperate for some form of good news. But where, where are people told to look? Um, so my, my children at school are being taught to recycle right? recycling is a good thing to do yes? but why are they being told to, told to recycle? because they have to save the planet and that strikes me as being quite a big burden to put on a 7 year old listen you need to save the planet <laughs> it's you because <laughs> we've stuffed it up but you need to save the planet Actually, all the time our culture is saying when you realise you're a sheep in big trouble, look within. Look within. Look to the hero that lives within you. There's a song that um, a lot of schools teach their kids to sing uh, and the words of it say this. Um, I, I went to an assembly and heard a choir singing this and it was very moving, very stirring, very beautiful, all the parents sitting there. Apologies if you've heard this before. It's one of my (laughs) favorite little things. Uh, It says, the chorus says this, I can do anything at all. I can climb the highest mountain. I can hear the ocean calling vast and free. I can be anything I want with this dream inside to guide me just as long as I believe in me. 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 (laughs) And the kids sang it. And they sang it with all their hearts. And the parents were all sitting there. And at the end of the song, what, what, what were all the parents doing? Crying. Floods and floods of tears. Everyone was crying. The teachers was crying. The, parents, the teachers were crying. I thought, that's wrong. It's not true, is it? We're telling our kids, we're raising a gener- generation of kids who are being told, you've got everything within you, everything you need to be the hero, to be the success, to be the wonderful thing. And we're setting up kids for a lifetime of disappointment. It's like when you watch the Olympic athletes. You watch the Olympic athletes, they've just won gold medal and they say, this just goes to prove that anyone can do anything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove that. What it proves is you are a phenomenally gifted athlete. And I want to say that actually what Jesus is doing is he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat, he's saying to them, you don't have bread. You don't have it. You don't have it within you. You are not the good news for this world. You are not the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. You're not the good news for a dying world. You're not the good news for your friend. You're not even the good news for yourself. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. But he has to get his disciples first to see that they don't have it. They're starving people and they can do nothing about it because they do not have the resources. There are disciples without the resources needed to feed the world. But of course that's really humbling, isn't it? I don't like having to admit that. I don't like having to admit that I need someone else. I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I want to be able to be in control. I want to be independent. I want to be God. I want to be the breadwinner. I want to be the bread provider. And Jesus exposes his disciples and says to them, you are not, you do not have bread your supply of bread is very, very small. But now watch what Jesus does. Because now we're going to push in from the sheep without a shepherd. We've seen the situation of our world in a desperate situation, far from God, in a world facing death. We've seen the disciples are powerless to do anything about it. They don't have the resources, but let's push in right to the middle now because I want to show you something about Jesus which is just so mind-blowingly cool that I hope it will get us excited. Um. Have a look at verse 39. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. (laughs) You've you've just got to picture this, right? They don't yet know what's going to happen. So they go out into the crowd saying, right, could you all sit down in 50s and 100s? Why? Not sure. Not sure what's happening. But just do it so they all sit down in fifties and hundreds it's like he's saying leave little spaces it's like flower beds he's trying to plant little flower beds of people leave spaces so we can get in between you I mean the disciples must have been going what is happening so they sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties on the green grass even that you see this is what the this is what the sheep need here's a shepherd going to supply food for his sheep beautiful Just little subtle hints. Verse 41. Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish. Interesting. Jesus doesn't say, you stupid disciples, chuck your rubbishy, pathetic little bits of food away. They're not interested in those. Get out of the way. Let the master do it. Do you see how beautiful that is? He actually takes takes them seriously. He says, okay, well done. Give it to me. Nice. But he takes their stuff. And then he prays. He breaks... He he, he um, lifts the loaves and two fish, looks up to heaven, gives thanks, breaks them. Now look what he does. Who does he give them to? Who does it say he gives them to? To his disciples, I can hear you all shout. To his disciples, to distribute to the people... Jesus does not say to his disciples, get out of the way and let me do this. Jesus is the source of bread. He is bread without limit. Bread without limit. He's the source of bread. But what he does is he gives it to his disciples to give to the crowd. He uses his disciples in order to feed the crowds. And so the, the disciples, they, you know, they, they take some bread from Jesus and they go off and give it to some of the crowd. And presumably they're saying, "Don't eat too much because, you know, there really isn't that much. You know, can we just take small portions to start with? And you come back for seconds if there is seconds." And presumably they have to keep coming back to Jesus for more bread. It's, this is why I've drawn it like this. Jesus is the centre; it's all flowing out from him. He's the source of bread, and they keep coming back to Jesus for more bread, and then. As time goes on, they're going to the crowd. You can have as much as you want. There seems to be plenty. There's no shortage of bread. And look at verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. Jesus has provided enough bread for all of the crowd to be satisfied. But he wants to make it absolutely sure, absolutely clear that the limit on this miracle is not his power, it's the size of their stomachs. They're the limiting factor. They're the ones who limit how much bread there is, not him. I can keep making bread all day. It's your small little tummies that's the problem. And so Jesus says to his disciples, go pick up the basketfuls of broken pieces of bread of fish. They pick up twelve. Why twelve? Because there's 12 disciples, there's one each. Every disciple comes back going, flipping heck, Jesus made a lot of bread. 5,000 people fed. And here is the big message that Mark is trying to show us that in a world where people are sheep without a shepherd, in a world where people are lost and confused and far away from God, in a world where people are dying, here's the source of bread. Bread without limit. Here's the source of life in this man, Jesus. Jesus is the life. He's the source and it all flows out of him. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus stands at the very centre of it and everything comes out from him. And as we read on in Mark's Gospel we're going to discover that this man Jesus, he goes to a cross to die and on the cross as he's nailed to a cross it's there that he shows his provision for the world it's as Jesus dies on the cross that he provides food for the world. That people might come and eat and be satisfied. I think it's one of the saddest things to see people running around trying to find satisfaction and finding nothing. Finding only frustration. Let me tell you one one more silly illustration, just to wake us all up because it's a warm afternoon. My uh, my favourite illustration of this is the woolly bear caterpillar, um, which I really do have a very great love for. I know you've heard it a lot of times, Josiah, but you just have to put up with it. It's what happens when your dad's a preacher. Uh, it's it on the frozen planet. Woolly bear caterpillar lives in the Arctic, and. Um, and it, you know how caterpillars work. They eat, some, they eat some stuff and then they go into you know, the hungry, very hungry caterpillar book. That's my level of knowledge of caterpillars. They eat some stuff, they, they go into a cocoon thing and then they become a thing. The woolly bear caterpillar, because it lives in the Arctic, it only has a very short window of time to eat stuff. So it, gets, it comes out, it eats stuff as much as it can, but it hasn't eaten enough. So it has to go under a rock. And it goes under a rock and freezes. And uh, its gut freezes, its blood for everything freezes. Uh, and then in the spring, it comes out and it defrosts. Completely defrosts and then starts again. Eating as much as it can. Still hasn't eaten enough, so it goes back under a rock, refreezes again, defrosts again, comes out, eats again. Do you know how many years it it for? Fourteen years. Right, For fourteen years, it eats, freezes, defrosts, eats, and goes around that cycle then on the 14th year it comes out it's like and then it's like I think I've had enough this is it this is my moment no more rocks and so it makes itself it's cocoon and it's in there for however long it's in there and then it comes out and it's this it's, it's, a, it's a moth I think and it comes out and it flies around it has guess what it has three days and then it's dead three days 14 years of eating and and then it's dead it has got to find a mate. He's got to take her out for dinner. All this kind of stuff. It's 14 years and then it's dead. And I, I watched that. I remember watching that on the blue, the Frozen Planet on the BBC and just thinking, wow, that is an amazing parable of our world. People spend their lives like sheep without a shepherd, trying to get as much stuff as they can, trying to find satisfaction in something, something that will satisfy the craving in me, something that will satisfy the longing in me. And we're living for this day, this kind of future day when we get it, but it never comes. And even if you do get it, it doesn't last. It's gone. It's so futile. That's why when Jesus looks at a crowd, he's moved. He sees these people and thinks, you were made for so much more than that. You were made by God who loves you, who wants to shepherd you, who wants to protect you, who wants to love you, who wants to set you free to enjoy His field of lush green grass. And yet you've wandered away from that. And now you're trying to scrabble around in the filthy muck of this world to try and find something that will satisfy you. And all the time, your Father, the shepherd, is there. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus is the only one who can bring us back to God. Jesus, who came to die on a cross to to face the death that we deserve so that we could be brought back to God. And so, if this afternoon you know anything of that frustration, you know anything of that kind of longing, if you feel that, yeah, I'm a sheep without a shepherd, Jesus is calling you right now. Come, come, come. I'm the one with the bread or the grass, or whatever illustration we happen to be in at the moment. I'm the one with the food. Come to me. Come feed on me. And just a word to those of you who are, those of us who are Christians and who are following Jesus. Let's just finish with this here. The disciples without resources. Some of you may think, I am a very pathetic Christian and I have very little to offer. I'm not Clever or good at speaking or doing anything. I can't seem to explain things to my friends. I just feel rubbish. I've got nothing. That's what Jesus uses. He's very good with that little tiny bit. He will take your little tiny bit and he will multiply it. And the key is that you come to him. You go to him and you say, Jesus, I've got nothing. But if you'll filmy, me, I'll go use it. And that's what it means to be a Christian. It's not about being impressive and going out to feed the world. Being a Christian is about going to Jesus, getting bread and then taking it to people. So this week, the students in London, it's no good going to people if you haven't first gone and got bread from Jesus. I want us to be a church where we get bread from Jesus, we're feeding on Jesus and then we go out with bread in our hands to people in our workplace and say, listen, can I give you bread? I... I, not from me it's Jesus he's the bread one I want to give you some bread that's what we're called to be and we can all do that and as we do that we discover that people are satisfied so here's this amazing picture of Jesus I hope this kind of here he is standing in the centre the only one who provides bread and we want to come to him we want to enjoy him we want to delight in him we want to feed from him Feed on the bread from his hands. The bread that gives life, that lasts forever. So let's pray. Let's pray that we might be satisfied in him. And then we're going to sing and and respond together. Heavenly Father, we, we think of what we've seen in your word, that this description of the world is being like sheep without a shepherd. This description of your people as being disciples without resources, but this wonderful picture of Jesus as being bread without limit. Father, we ask that we might feast on him, that we might find him to be our shepherd who satisfies us, that we might find him to be the bread that fills us and gives us joy and freedom and life forever. Father, help us to feast in this kingdom, we pray and we pray we might know him today in Jesus' name. Amen.